0: This is the Poetry Foundation's Essential American Poets podcast. Essential American Poets is an online audio poetry collection. The poets in the collection were selected in 2006 by Donald Hall when he was Poet Laureate. Recordings of the poets he selected are available online at poetryfoundation.org and poetryarchive.org. In this edition of the podcast, we'll hear poems by Carolyn Kaiser... Carolyn Kaiser is adept at writing in traditional forms, and her writing is strongly influenced by Chinese poetry. Her poems address the natural world and details of family life, as well as women's issues and the problems of society, especially during the political upheaval of the 1960s. Kaiser was born in Spokane, Washington, in 1925. She earned her B.A. from Sarah Lawrence, where she studied mythology with Joseph Campbell, and pursued graduate degrees at both Columbia University and the University of Washington. In 1946, Kaiser lived in Nationalist China as a literature fellow of the Chinese government. In 1954, when Kaiser was settling into family life in Seattle, she enrolled in a poetry class taught by Theodore Retke, who encouraged her to get serious about her poetry. Four years later, Kaiser founded the journal Poetry Northwest, which she edited until 1965. From 1965 to 1966, Kaiser went to Pakistan as a specialist in literature for the U.S. State Department. She taught there for several months. Upon her return, Kaiser took a post as director of the literature program for the National Endowment for the Arts. She resigned the post in 1970. Kaiser is the author of eight books of poetry, and has also translated poetry from Urdu, Chinese, and Japanese. Her 1965 book, Knock Upon Silence, introduced the Chinese poet Tu Fu to American audiences. In 1984, Kaiser won the Pulitzer Prize for Yin, New Poems. The book includes the long poem, Fanny, written in Roman hexameters. In the poem, she adopts the voice of Robert Louis Stevenson's long-suffering wife, Fanny, who considers the sacrifices creative women make for their families. Kaiser divides her time between Sonoma, California, and Paris, France. She lives with her husband, whom she met in 1973 at the Library of Congress, immediately following one of the poetry readings you are about to hear. The following poems were recorded for and at the Library of Congress in 1958, 1973, and 2002.
1: The Intruder My mother, preferring the strange to the tame, Dove note, bone marrow, deer dung, Frog's belly distended with finny young, leaf mold wilderness, harebell, toadstool, Odd small snakes roving through the leaves, metallic beetles rambling over stones, all wild and natural, flashed out her instinctive love, and quick, she picked up the fluttering, bleeding bat the cat laid at her feet, and held the little horror to the mirror, where he gazed on himself and shrieked, like an old screen door, far off. Depended from her pinched thumb, Each wing came clattering down like a small black shutter. Still tranquil, she began. It's rather sweet. The soft mouse body, the hard, feral glint in the caught eyes. Then we saw and recoiled. Lice, pallid, yellow, nested within the wing pits, cozily sucked and snoozed. The thing dropped from her hands, And with its thud, swiftly, the cat, with a clean, careful mouth, closed on the soiled webs, growling, took them out to the back stoop. But still, dark blood, a sticky puddle on the floor, remained. Of all my mother's tender, wounding passion for a whole wild, lost, betrayed, and secret life among its dens and burrows, its clean stones whose denizens can turn upon the world with spitting tongue and odor talon claw to sting or soil benevolence alien as our clumsy traps our random scatter of shot she swept into the kitchen turning on the tap she washed and washed the pity from her hands The Great Blue Heron. This poem was written in memory of my mother who was born in September 1880 and who died in September 1955. As I wandered on the beach I saw the heron standing sunk in the tattered wings he wore as a hunchback's coat. Shadow without a shadow hung on invisible wires from the top of a canvas day. What scissors cut him out, superimposed on a poster of summer by the strand of a long decayed resort, poised in the dusty light some fifteen summers ago. I wondered, an empty child, Heron, whose ghost are you? I stood on the beach alone, in the sudden chill of the burned my thought raced up the path pursuing it I ran to my mother in the house and led her to the scene the spectral bird was gone but her quick eye saw him drifting over the highest pines on vast unmoving wings could they be those ashen things so grounded, unwieldy, ragged a pair of broken arms that were not made for flight. In the middle of my loss, I realized she knew. My mother knew what he was. Oh, great blue heron! now that the summer house has burned, so many rockets ago, so many smokes and fires and beach lights, and water glow, reflecting pinwheel and flare. The old logs hauled away. The pines and driftwood cleared from that bare strip of shore where dozens of children play. Now there is only you, heavy upon my eye. Why have you followed me here, heavy and far away? You have stood there patiently for fifteen summers, and snows denser than my repose bleaker than any dream waiting upon the day when like gray smoke a vapor floating into the sky a handful of paper ashes my mother would drift away what the bones know remembering the past and gloating at it now. I know the frozen brow and shaking sides of lust will dog me at my death to catch my ghostly breath. I think that Yeats was right, that lust and love are one. The body of this night may beggar me to death, but we are not undone, who love with all our breath. I know that Proust was wrong. His wheeze, love, to survive, needs jealousy and death and lust to make it strong or goose it back alive. Proust took away my breath. The later Yeats was right to think of sex and death and nothing else. Why wait till we are turning old? my thoughts are hot and cold I do not waste my breath I guess the best way to begin is to read the only autobiographical poem I've ever written we've had I think to suffer a good bit from the confessional poets good as some of them are because now everything that we write is um, assumed to be autobiographical in fact a, well-known critic who shall be nameless uh, has constructed an elaborate imaginary biography of me based on on information he garnered from my poems Um, I always read this with a great deal of pleasure but um, this is a genuinely autobiographical poem uh, and it's called Where I've Been All My Life And I don't think anything in particular needs explaining about it, except that uh, perhaps some of you don't know that when the city of Rotterdam was destroyed, uh, the first thing the city fathers did was to commission a piece of sculpture to commemorate the city, which was the masterpiece of the late R.C. Zadkin. And I hope some of you have seen photographs of it. Um, I think everything else is more or less self-explanatory. Where I've been all my life, Sir, in our youth, you love the sight of us. Older, you fall in love with what we've seen. Would lose yourselves by living in our lives. I'll spin you tales, play the Arabian girl, working close, alone in the blonde arena, for women learn to be a holy show. I'll tell you where I've been. Not what I am. In Rotterdam, womb where my people sprang, I find my face, my father, everywhere. New cousins i must stoop to greet. The get of tall, whey-colored burgers, sturdy dams, as children fed on tulip bulbs and dirt, tugged at dry dugs and sucked at winter's rind. My cousins, dwarfed by war, your forms rebuke the butcher and the bystander alike. To ease you, I can't shrink this big Dutch frame got of more comfortable ancestors. But from my southern side, I pluck a phrase, I'll carry you. And it means, rest in me. To hold you as I may in my mind's womb. But snap the album, get the guidebook out. Rotterdam, her raw gray waterfront, Zadkeen's memorial burning on the quay. This bronze is mortal, gaping in defeat. The form that wombed it split to let it be. It mends, he lurches up. In blood reborn The empty heavens His eternal frame Move to my room beside the golden horn Where minarets strike fire against the sky The architecture, breasts, and phalluses Where are the words to say that words are lies Yeats lied And here Byzantium lies dead Constantinople Syllables in a text Istanbul Real Embalmed in dancing dust Everywhere the dark brown past Gives way to the beige of progress That wide, vacant lot Turkey without coffee Endlessly I sip tea from bud vases And I lust for the guy, a sultry, serious, pedantic boy in a tight brown suit, thirsting to get out of the triple city weighing on his mind. Oh, he was doomed, doomed like the dogs on Dog Island in the sea, netted and dumped and exiled, left to die, then skinned. We heard imaginary canine howls, like the rustlings of a thousand gauzy girls film-eyed cattle perishing of ennui in abandoned harems where he guided me meanwhile the faithful prostrate and intoning stare into the light as blind as death knowing for sure their end is instant heaven we infidels concede them paradise having seen heaven as harem A eunuch god in charge, the virgin slowly fattening to blubber, love become feminized, tickles like a feather. The saints of art, Sophia, that vast barn holds no small savior waiting to get born. The formal scribble on the assaulted walls, 500 years of crossing out his name. Some famous glittering pebbles mark the place as God's most grandiose sarcophagus. Decay, decay, and the mind a fetus dies. Return me to the airfield near Shanghai, where I'm very young, shy, apprehensive, Seated like Sheba on a baggage mountain Waiting for the first adventure to begin The train will glide through fields of rice and men Bodies like thongs and glorious genitals Not alien as Chinese But Adam Strange Rejoiced by her first look at naked men her soul swims out the window of the train. She goes where newborn daughters clog the creeks. Bank porticos are strewn with starving rags. Here the old dragon, China, threshes, dying. But the ancient virile music of the race is rising, drenched in gongs and howls of dogs, islanded the sighs of walled-up women, dreaming of peasants, in their prisoning fields. But we break out of the harem of history, no longer that young foreigner on the train. I listen like a bird, although I ruminate like a cow, in my pale Holland body, riven by love and children. These eyes are what they see. Come, lie with me in the mosques of Rotterdam. Uh, I'd like to read at least part of this poem because I owe it to Miller-Williams, the wonderful translator of the Poems and Anti-Poems by Nicanor Parra. This is at the time of the Revolution in Chile when uh, Salvador Allende was murdered uh, with a little help from the CIA. And uh, it's called October 1973. Last night I dreamed I ran through the streets of New York looking for help for you, Nicanor. But my few friends who were rich or influential were temporarily absent from their penthouses or hotel suites. They had gone to the opera or flown for the weekend to Bermuda. At last I found one or two of them at home, preparing for social engagements, absently smiling as they tried on gown after gown until heaps of rich, beautiful fabric were strewn over the chairs and sofas, They posed before mirrors with their diamonds and trinkets and floor-length furs. They became distracted by constantly ringing phones, by obsequious secretaries bustling in with packages, flowers, messages, all the paraphernalia, all part of the uninterruptible round of the rich, the nice rich, smiling soothingly as they touched their hair or packed up their phone extensions. Absently patting my arm... They smiled. It will be all right. Dusk fell on the city as I ran, weeping into the streets. I ran to the home of Barbara, my friend, who was a young girl, rescued four loyalist soldiers from a Spanish prison. In her teenage sweater set and saddle shoes and knee socks, she drove an old car sagging with loyalist pamphlets across the Pyrenees all the way to Paris without being caught. And not long ago, she helped save a group of men from Franco's sentence of death. In my dream, Barbara telephones Barcelona. I realize this isn't quite right, but I just stand there paralyzed as one does in dreams. Then dimly, from the other end of the line, through the chatter of international operators, we hear artillery fire, the faint tones of lost men, cracked voices singing, Los cuatro generales, through the pulsations of the great twisted cable under the ocean. Agonia, agonia, sueño, fermente es sueño. Es es el mundo, amigo. Agonia, agonia. No, Barbara, I scream, we're not back there. That's the old revolution. Call up the new one. Though I know that every day your friends, Nicanor, telephone Santiago, where the number rings and rings and rings with never an answer. And now the rings are turning into knells, the church bells of Santiago, tolling the funeral of Neruda, his poems looted, his autobiography stolen, his books desecrated, his house on Isla Negra. And among the smashed glass, the broken furniture, his desk overturned, the ruined books strewn over the floor, lies the great floral wreath from the Swedish Academy, the wreaths from Paris, South Asia, the whole world over. And the bells toll on. Then I tell Barbara to hang up the phone. She dials the number again, then turns to me, smiling, smiling like an angel, He is there, trembling. I take the phone from her and hear your voice, Nicanor, sad, humorous, infinitely disillusioned, infinitely consoling. Dear Caroline, it is Nicanor, and the connection is broken because I wake up in this white room, in this white silence, in this backwater of silence, on this Isla Blanca, Niganor Niganor, are you too silent under the earth? Brother, brother. This is a poem that was uh, written after the uh, overthrow of the junta in Greece and the uh, fascism in Spain. It's called In Gathering. The poets are going home now After the years of exile, after the northern climates where they worked, lectured, remembered, where they shivered at night in an indifferent world, where the god was the god of business, and men would violate the poet's moon, and even the heavens become zones of war. The poets are going home to the blood-haunted villages, to the crumbling walls still pocked with a spray of bullets, to the ravine marked with the new cross where their brother died. No one knows the precise spot where they shot him, but there is a place now to gather, to lay wreaths. The poets will bring flowers. The poets are coming home to the cafes, to the life of the streets at twilight, to slip among the crowds and greet their friends. These young poets, old now, limping, who lean on a cane or the arm of a grandchild peer with opaque eyes at the frightening city the steel and concrete towers sprung up in their absence yet from open doorways comes the odor of grapes fermented of fish of oil, of pimento the poets have come home to the melodious language that settles on their heads like moths alighting this language for which they starved in a world of gutturals, crude monosyllables barked by strangers. Now their own language enfolds them with its warm vocables. The poets are home. Yes, they have come back to look up at the yellow moon, cousin of that cold orb that only reflected their isolation. They have returned to the olives, the light. The sage-scented meadows, the whitewashed steps, the tubs of geraniums, the sere plains, the riverbank spread with laundry, the poppies, the vineyards, the bones of mountains. Yes, poets, welcome home to your small country, riven by its little war, as the world measures these events. A country that remembers heroes it tears where in your absence souls kept themselves alive by whispering your words. Now you smile at everything, even the priests, the militia, the patient earth that is waiting to receive you. Thank you.
0: That was Carolyn Kaiser, recorded for the Library of Congress. The poems are used by permission of Copper Canyon Press. You have been listening to the Essential American Poets podcast, produced by the Poetry Foundation in collaboration with PoetryArchive.org. To learn more about Carolyn Kaiser and other Essential American Poets, and to hear more poetry, go to PoetryFoundation.org.